Hi, y'all. Welcome to the very first episode of the Off Screen Central podcast. My name is Kinsey Venunu. I'm the editor-in-chief and co-founder, and I'm with my other co-founder, Jillian. How are you doing? I'm good. And just, you know, this time of year, very stressful. Yes, yes. Um, so we're recording as Critics' Choice is happening, so stay with us, stay with us. Uh, but we're really excited that Offscreen Central has relaunched. Um, we combined Jillian's site Offscreen and Oscar Central as one, um, so we're really excited. Uh, but I wanted to start things off because maybe we'll have new listeners, maybe you never know. So, Jillian, what is your letterbox top four? That's a great way to introduce. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pull it up. <laughs> but I always forget. Um, my letterbox top four is I have the 1969 classic Downhill Racer. Um, oh my gosh, I just exited out of my letterbox. I have the 1972 version of Solaris, not the 2005 American one. That's the worst one. Um, I have Belle du Jour and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Beautiful. And it's funny because you have the more recent one of that one. <laughs> um, I have Rosemary's Baby, director, unknown. Um, <laughs> Julia DeCornel's Raw my favorite coming of age movie and then i have sofia coppola's father's best movie bram stoker's dracula and then i have sofia's marie antoinette um i like to have a little thing for all of my moods there i guess marie antoinette's also a coming of age movie if you think about it but yeah uh so that's our taste if you were new here and wanted to get to know us um but Jillian, do you want to just give a brief rundown of our new mission statement off Screen Central? Yeah. Um, so we have both had such a passion and being in this space for, I'd say, like the last two years, especially of just wanting to create a space for women and non-binary critics to really like invest and enhance and grow our space within the critic space um so we we're really passionate about becoming that and as well as like we've really found our niche for talking to artisans below the line and really wanting to highlight that with really interesting conversations and just being a place that we both feel is well needed within the critics industry that I'm so excited to go on this adventure me too. I really hope that uh, we're able to keep growing and we had a really great response to our relaunch. So I'm very excited, um, but we won't bore everyone too much because this is a very important episode because Sundance is next weekend and uh, a few days after that are the Oscar nominations. So we're here to do the very short task of running through our final nomination predictions 
And when I say final, I mean final that you will hear on a podcast, because if you check our website, we will have written final predictions. That could change, because like I said, we're recording during Critics' Choice. There's still the BAFTA nominations to come. We have a lot that's coming up that could change one or two things because there are many, many categories that um, we were talking to a few people over the weekend uh, just about like there are some categories where I'm like, I know two are locked and then anybody could get those last few spots. And that's the most exciting Oscar race for me is when I don't know what's going to happen in every category. It's just very stressful because I'm a Capricorn. I have to be right. So it's a hard, it's a hard time. So we're going to go through our predicted nominees in every category. Um, We're going to try to be fast. I think there's some like that I, that don't really warrant a huge conversation. And then there's some like supporting actor and actress and, um, adapted and original like there are so many categories that we're going to spend way too much time on so we will get started we're going to work our way up towards best picture so we're gonna start with the shorts which I feel every year are just impossible to go through um I'm gonna start with live action short because this is one where I personally feel like maybe it's easy so I'll start with this one I have Strange Ray of Life at five because I feel like the hurdle for him was getting shortlisted here. And the fact that he got shortlisted, I feel like he's in. I could be totally wrong. And then I have Good Boy. And then I have the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. I just feel like that has been everywhere. And I just saw a whole post on the crafts of it. And I just feel like it's a little... Once again, the shortlist was the hurdle, I feel like. Um, And then I have Invisible Border. I just have heard a lot about this and know a lot of people who have seen it. And then I have Red, White, and Blue. Um, I'm kind of wondering if I should take that out for the Anne Frank gift shop or the avocado pit or the after. Yeah, the after. I don't know. I have the after at six. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I feel good about two of the five. What are the five that you have? Um, I think I have the exact same that you have. I have only seen three of these, and one of them is the after, but I have that at six. Uh, but I feel like anything could happen here. The only ones I feel like confident about is probably Strange Way of Life and the wonderful story of Henry Sugar. So I don't know. Which is a terrible thing to say the two that I feel confident about are well-known filmmakers because that yeah. is not a, that is not a good stat. Um, all right. Well, so if don't listen to us, basically, if you're mimicking, because I haven't seen them all, unfortunately. They're hard to see as usual. So yeah. um, I miss the days of someone playing them all in a the theater. Um, so I guess next up is animated short, which I have a lot of questions about. Um, I might, okay, before we even say them, how is Once Upon a Studio (laughs) eligible? I don't understand. Um, okay. So I have, okay, I have, I'm going to make a change here. 
right now. So I have 95 senses, once upon a studio, a kind of testament, war is over, letter to a pig. I see so many people are predicting once upon a studio at number one. And I just have so many questions. How is it eligible? I don't know. Someone tell me. I don't know. Okay, what do you have? What are your five? Um, I just moved 95 senses <laughs> because into five because I keep getting a lot of emails about it. Yeah, that's why I moved it up. Because I was like, <laughs> I literally have gotten so many. Yeah, that's the only one I've gotten emails about. So that one seems like, you know. And then I guess once upon a studio, which I just learned today, was in here um i thought it was just like a cute little joke and then a kind of testament uh war is over because i feel like everyone likes the beatles you know and but that, that is not a beatles it's not no yoko oh. it's yoko well everyone likes the I'm... beatle phenomenon anyone like with um you're gonna with, anger all the beatles fans with that statement I just feel like people people like them. It's it's intriguing. Um, and then letter to a pig. Good, good. Um, okay. Words over is my favorite Christmas song, so I mean, I gotta go for it. So for documentary short, I'm changing one. I played this one based off of what I got the most emails about. <laughs> so I have. Um, the ABCs of book banning. They're yeah, all doing really nice. cool events. Um, what do we want to put here? Uh, last song from Hobble. Hobble. Uh, Black Girls Play, which I always I am also getting a lot of emails about that. Um, Camp Courage. And I don't know what to put at five. It's if dreams were lightning, rural healthcare crisis. I just moved that down one and put in deciding vote because I've seen a lot of um, screening invites for that one um, that I want to say are all at 11 a.m. So please let a working girl see a short film. Um, but yeah, if you're listening, I'm very sorry. I I until I see them, I really like all I don't really know how to play that. Um, so moving on, we can go into actually documentary feature, which this year feels a little too not easy, just like straightforward, which makes me think something is going to happen at the nominations. Um, because I was very shocked that still a Michael J. Fox movie was not like the big snub of the shortlist. So I have still a Michael J. Fox movie at number five. And then I have American Symphony, which I personally, and this could totally be wrong, I feel really strong about because of all the nomination shortlisted um because it's in their first song and it's just and it showed up in a few other places and it's like a little unheard of for a movie that I feel like a lot of people aren't really talking about but I also know a lot of people who watched it on Netflix which is pretty interesting um and then 20 Days of Maripool, Beyond Utopia, and Four Daughters but I do want to say um Apollyon Apollonia 
I would really think, I really am starting to think that one might kick out one of the celebrity docs because I just am struggling to see a world where we have two celebrity docs in. And then what do you have in your lineup, Jillian? Um, I have still, which I'm not really a fan of that documentary, but it has seemed to hold on strong since last Sundance. Um, I have The Four Daughters, which I feel like just just very timely and speaking about like international crimes done to women. Um, American Symphony, I agree in terms of it like making a lot uh in the short list for a documentary as well as just like John Batiste is a past winner and just everyone really likes him uh beyond utopia I feel like that is the most heartbreaking documentary and I think like it is really hitting people in the right places um even if like like I've heard of I've heard of the story personally through people and so like watching the documentary for me I was like oh I don't know like it felt like deja vu of like when I had heard you know the stuff of it but it seems like it's impacting a lot of people that like truly like didn't know that what happens in the documentary is a thing and then 20 days in Maripol obviously that is very timely and relevant right now um but I also agree with the Apollina one like that one I could see you know kind of getting in there but I don't know like there's something something feels missing this year from like the docs and I don't know what it is which is why I really think something is gonna happen and I just cannot put my finger on it <laughs> um moving on to animated feature which I actually feel like is really exciting this year um yeah. so at five I have Nimona. I think like the performance of it at the Annie Awards is really incredible. Um, and then I have Wish, but I kind of feel like there's a world where Wish misses because it didn't get the song shortlisted. It, I don't know, it just didn't perform very well overall. Um, and then I have Elemental because I do think that one is really held on. And then I have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and then The Boy in the Harem. But uh, I want to say the peasants should absolutely be here. And I'm very upset that it's not here. I moved it to 10 and I'm very upset. It's a heartbreaking tragedy of that campaign. Um, I feel like I'm the same. I have Nimona because again, the Annie's and I feel like that one has just held on a lot. I have Su Suzumi um that picture with Harrison Ford in the chair from the film so like, good so good then I have Elemental which like it feels like a fever dream of a film and I feel like that's the the default Disney I feel like Pixar movies have a better chance of getting in over Disney films and I feel like everyone just really disliked the film Wish this year so it's like I think it's like either or um because they're just kind of, I don't know, Elemental is like a, a wild time of a movie, if you've seen it. And then it's the only ones I feel like definitely for sure is The Boy and the Heron and Spider-Man. 
Those are for sure the two that I feel absolutely positive about because we didn't mention Super Mario Brothers, which sure is not a good movie, but it made a billion dollars. Uh, and I think that means people saw that movie, man. And then and also on Netflix, it's like everywhere. Yeah. And then um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, which people are very passionate about. And sometimes passion is enough to get anything in especially an animated feature so yeah it's a really exciting category um and then we also just watch robot dreams had a you know robot dreams had more of a i think if it had come out to where people could have watched it at like christmas time or something like with their families i feel like it'd be more in the hunt um moving on to international feature which as usual there are too many good movies here to pick five um i at five have society of the snow and then i have four daughters which kind of makes me nervous to have it in two places but we will <laughs> see and then i have perfect days and then i have the teacher's lounge and then i have the zone of interest at one which means i snubbed france <laughs> <laughs> i just i think the momentum on the taste of things really it just slowed never down yeah like it felt like it was there for a while like people were like stop getting mad at france like this movie's good too yeah and, and it is it's just like i feel like the conversation has been completely eclipsed because of the way anatomy of a fall has performed at all the other groups that acknowledged yeah. it as an international feature and i just think I don't know. I mean, maybe it gets in anyway. That's just my opinion. What is your five? Wouldn't it be funny if you're like, the taste of things? <laughs> taste of things. Yeah, this category has just been like funny because it's, as you mentioned, like Anatomy of a Fall has won every international feature nomination for like everything. And it's like, well, it's not even qualified. You're, yeah. So, like what is taking up, you know, that gap? Um, so at five, I have Society of the Snow, number one movie on Netflix. I have The Four Daughters, Con Winner, uh, Perfect Days, Fallen Leaves, I have in there just because I think it getting into like globes for acting, and I think it just has a very organic uh following behind it, and I think it's just like a really straightforward film that would be interesting to put in here and then i have the zone of interest at one um and i just feel like that is the default winner now that anatomy does not qualify here but i could see like something like totem you know getting in uh i don't know like things things could happen here but i feel like those are the five that like have the most like steam and people are talking about them and they're kind of showing up everywhere like Usually I feel like we have like a million international features and this year kind of feels like it's like a set five. Yeah, the only ones, so you have Fallen Leaves and I have The Teacher's Lounge. And then the only other ones that I do feel like could pop up, I really think The Promised Land could pop up because that's a really widely seen movie. Um, And then Totem, like you said. And then The Monk and the Gun would not surprise me because I also think there was... A lot of momentum for that movie yeah that one it's like everywhere too yeah um moving on to one that they threw us for a curveball with makeup and hairstyling <laughs> when they released 
the short list because there are a few things not there. There were a few things there that are <laughs> shocking. And um, you know, I'll I'll show my hand here. I think the last voyage of the Demeter gets in. It is <laughs> it is made up of former winners. I just I don't know. And it's great work. The movie, not good. I cannot believe I live in a world where we had two Dracula movies and they were both bad. Um, but listen, good work. I don't know. Uh and then at four, I have Oppenheimer. Three, I have four things which is probably two to be honest and then I have Ferrari I'm just like really hoping we get Ferrari an Oscar nomination and I'm hope dicting there but I think it's really impressive work and it's really like like people see just one image of Adam Driver and they're like that's the make like you don't have to yeah. see the movie if you're lazy I don't know yeah um and then number one maestro Jillian and I actually got to hear Kazu talk about it yesterday, and he said that it took him the time it takes to fly from LA to New York to transform Bradley into the later years of Lenny. So, um, but hearing him talk, I just don't see how it doesn't win. So, yeah, um, I'm assuming you have a way different five than me. <laughs> uh, five, I have Ferrari. <laughs> okay, that's that's that makes more sense. Um, because that one she has voyage last voyage of the <laughs> Could you imagine? Uh, I don't know because out of the ten, it's like I didn't. I I agree with you on the last voyage because I was like looking at the people that were on there and like that's the thing. If you well, look one at of them who is, it the, is is the all quiet girl that I actually talked to last year, and I'm like that's such an interesting like after you do all quiet and like that got in for best makeup um so I have five I have Ferrari just because I think his transformation is like it's not really a transformation it's just really subtle and you know in a world maybe Adam Driver gets in and it's like you know makeup is complimenting his nomination um I also like how I also really like how Penelope Cruz looks in the film because it's not like I don't know well, like they put like makeup to make her look disheveled and I think people yeah. just think that's what and I'm like no yeah and then four i have society of the snow i just feel like people love a makeup of like a disaster film or like a true story of like cannibalism and like survivals and like it's like the closest it's literally the closest thing we have to a war film this year of like how they would do makeup for that and i feel like that that's just always like a placeholder of like something like that getting in um and i think it's just like the way they transformed them like day by day as they're like trying to survive and the resilience um is again like really subtle but like really effective and just watching their bodies change especially like at the end when they get like spoiler alert when they get rescued showering <laughs> and like you we're seeing like the impact of like the elements and the nature and the wilderness on them and it's like really really insane um three i have poor things obviously that that wig that they put on Emma Stone. I um, want to know how much it weighs. Has anybody asked? I don't know. I have not <laughs> seen any of that. That'd be the first question. I yeah, feel I like because it's been a lot of men interviewing, so like a lot of like women would instantly yeah. be like, "Wait, how much does that thing weigh?" Because it looks yeah. dense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Lord hair. 
Um, and then two, I have Oppenheimer with my my people, my girls in the makeup category because I just love uh that I just think that's just a really fascinating same same thing with Maestro of like reverse aging people. Um, and I think so, especially for Oppenheimer, that's what I find more impressive than like the aging, which is also good. And I just love like with a Christopher Nolan film, there's just so much practicality of how they track actors and like what they're doing. Uh, so I have that. And then number one, obviously I have Maestro because, you know, Kazu did How the Grinch Stole Christmas and did not get an Oscar nomination. And, and now he's doing it again. And I think that the work that he does in this is really impressive. And I think also between like Oppenheimer and Maestro, it's so fascinating to see like different approaches to how you're aging someone. And I think Maestro just has like a lot of subtleties that is like past, you know, like Bradley's insane transformation, but like how they age carry over time with um like the different aging spots and just like the little details that they think of there. And yeah, I feel like there's more to Maestro than just like, him being old and I think like what they did to DH him is really fascinating especially like the black and white I want I kind of want to see like the camera tests of him younger like in color yeah I we so we went to a crafts panel yesterday where it was um everyone from Kazu to Mark Bridges to um uh Kevin Thompson was there the production designer it was um a lot of people the editor was there um, but it was interesting the way they were all talking about it because it all kind of ties back to his work and they all kind of mentioned that like because of how good his work was it still allowed them to be real people and it wasn't just like prosthetic that yeah. um, they were able to do more even with the costume design and the production design because it wasn't such even though it was such intense makeup and prosthetic work it wasn't overwhelming the character or the actors like they can still do so much um but yeah and um academy be nuts make Bo is afraid an oscar nominee like i don't know just go for it like just go for, go it. for it like it would be so sick um yeah so moving on to production design which feels so incredible this year like i feel really overwhelmed with the possibilities to be honest as I'm redoing my list right now. <laughs> I hope everyone knows I can watch her redoing it like in real time. And it's really funny. Um, So I feel really wild at number five. I have Asteroid City. I, I don't know. I feel like it could make it in at least just here. If nowhere else, like this is the one spot. Um, It's obviously really hard and a very competitive year, but I think it's really incredible work and it's so integral to the story that Wes Anderson is telling and Wes Anderson is known for the amount of detail in his production design and it's really incredible work here um and then I have Killers of the Flower Moon at four which I just rewatched, and the production design work is so amazing like the towns that they had to recreate and just like the different kinds of worlds that they had to build is really incredible um, and then at three, I have Poor Things, which I also think the world building there is so incredible. And like everything I've heard them talk about just blows me away. Um, 
Two, I have Oppenheimer. We have seen Ruth. We have an interview with Ruth on the site that Jillian did. Um, but we've seen her talk about it in person so many times. And every time she just blows me away with some crazy detail that I'm like, what? Um, <laughs> like, go back. Um, like, if you can find audio of her talking about everything that happened with the White House, it's crazy. But please read Jillian's discussion with her. It's really interesting. Um, and then one, I have Barbie. I just think Barbie is like, like the way they brought Barbie to life is insane. And still, like, there's so many things I notice about what they snuck in to Barbie that I'm like, what? Uh, just incredible work. So um, I see we have very different vibes now. <laughs> um, so let the people oh, also because we do both don't have it in our fives. Priscilla should absolutely be here. What they did with this budget and in, in Canada is crazy. Like they rebuilt Graceland in Canada. And um, I'm really upset that it's not in. They made a couch really long because Jacob Elordi is so tall. They were like, we have to make the couch even bigger, guys. And they did it. Um, yeah, thank you. So give the people your top five in production design, Jillian. Okay. Um, I'm sensing like a theme here for all of them except one of the idea of, that you mentioned of like world building and I think they all fall along that except one of them <laughs> uh, so first I have poor things I just think like and when we get into costumes I'll, I'll touch on that I just think like the world that Yorgos created with his team is like so integral to like Bella's development as a human and like what it says about her different uh points of I don't know like intellect and like exploration uh it's just like so stunning of just like pain and beauty and all of that number four I have the zone of interest <laughs> because like it's kind of like saltburn where it's like the house is the character like you can't watch that and not think like production design um they rebuilt the house that it's based on and they I like what they did with it with making it feel very modern and not like you know oh this took place a thousand years ago and like it's the distant past when it's like really you know it's obviously it's a very timely movie from today um but I think like the house just really adds to the feelings of uncomfortability from the viewer because everything there is so pristine and nice and like it's so weird of Sandra Huller's character like making her dream house share that shares a wall with a concentration camp like that's insane like it tells you so much that you need to know about how crazy and like unhuman these people are and like when she creates I think it's like the garden like one of the walls is is the camp wall and it's like how they're using functionality within such a disgusting place she even uh, has a line where she's like we put the vines that direction to cover the wall. And I'm like, what? I put yeah. it in my review, but it's like they kind of, she's like trying to create her own Garden of Eden. Like it's yeah. really fucking horrifying. I, I also think like the garden itself is just like the thought that went into that. Um, And my reasoning here is that let's say the PGA 10 makes it in. I'm like, I feel optimistic that it's getting in more spots than just like, let's say like Jonathan Glazer directing. Like, I think it's getting something else. 
I so do I too. Put it, I put it but here. Mine is much bigger than production <laughs> design. <laughs> um, and that's then a good. That's a good call out. And then three, I have Oppenheimer again. I think that's another film where like their budget was weirdly small, and like what they were able to do with the scale and like recreating the town and these different locations and like they're all practical locations except the white house obviously they're they can't film in the white house and their original uh location fell through uh just like the scale of building the town and like the 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 building of where they make the bomb is like not even a real building when they you go behind it and just how much they were able to like use what ruth could build and i just love how like the locations really play into like the paradoxical nature of Oppenheimer and who he is as a person of just like being so comfortable in certain spaces and like losing all his power in others. Uh, and obviously like the room that he's in for his hearing is so integral to the story. Um, so I can't see them like, it's going to pick up a bunch of nominations and I can't see them not picking up production design, obviously Barbie. Cause those, those dream houses all being real, uh, and just like the iconography and all the like hidden details within it that like you mentioned is insane. And then I don't know why I have Killers of the Flower Moon at one. It, it's I think it's there. I think it's in. Um, but I just think like the sinister nature, same to same to zone is like the sinister nature of this very idyllic place that they're really uh highlighting that it's like there's so much that's like like for for killers like there's poison you know growing there and like within this economy and like within this like social structure that I think really speaks out in how they built the town and like just it just there's always something that's off with it and I feel like that's the way that zone and killers like both do their production design I feel like are very similar in that respect that's a I would love to see zone of interest and in production design and that's a less of a risk than what I'm gonna do so moving on to costume design which once again just feels like an embarrassment of riches like there's so many good costumes this week or year I do want to say I forgot to mention this I feel like because I it could be in costume design it could be in production design it could be and even makeup I feel like Napoleon's just gonna pop up in one I don't know um I don't know I don't know I'm not regretting it do I take Asteroid City out and put Napoleon I don't have Asteroid City in because the costume designer is not doing interviews and I feel like that just speaks (laughs) no I mean in production design do I put Napoleon oh like do I take Asteroid City out I think Asteroid City to me seems like the one more likely to pop up. I mean, like, it just is the takeaway from... I'm. The- we're on record that I wanted to predict Napoleon and Jillian was like, no. <laughs> I think Napoleon is, Napoleon is somewhere. I don't know where. It's going to show up in one category. I just don't know which one. Watch it get like four nominations. Uh, <laughs> so for costume design, I have Jillian's friend. Mark Bridges at number five I think that's I don't know I feel like Maestro originally felt like it was gonna be this huge player and I know some people have shifted on that 
but I do think it's really great costume design and I'm going to keep it at five. Um, at four, I have Oppenheimer. Um, I think this is like the period piece, the, there's uniforms in it to be the war movie. Like it, they have it covered. Killers of the Flower Moon. I have a three. Jacqueline West, you can read Cassie's interview with her on the site now. Um, I think that the costume design here is a real collaborative effort and I think it really stands out and they've done so many interviews highlighting the costume design that I really think it's on the top of a lot of people's minds. Poor Things, I have it too. I think Poor Things created this iconic look of Bella Baxter and just everyone else in her world. Um, and it's really unique costume design and just like it's like period accurate but also high fantasy vibes and I think it's really unique um, and then at one I have Barbie I think it's just a great blend of recreations reimagining but also a lot of like modern and also period piece at the same time it's a really fascinating costume design um, I feel like Julian and I have the same five just a different order yeah, I have four things at five, which I think it should be at three. I don't know why I have it at five. Uh, <laughs> uh, because I think the costumes speak the most outside of the acting and the script of like her journey, like in the beginning, when we figure out that, like what it, what the deal is with her. Uh, like the way that she's dressed is how like a toddler would like undress themselves after being dressed by like an adult. And just the patterns of the quiltedness is like what you would as assume assimilate with children. Then you, you move into where she goes on this journey and she starts like dressing herself of like what she would put together. And she's like wearing like basically the underwear to her outfits like out and about and then like obviously like the brothel of like that little latex thing she's wearing and then finally like her dark academia <laughs> look when she discovers like what she wants to be and then like at the end she's more like polished but she's never really like sacrificing her original self in order to like be this like grown woman and I just think like the costumes just add so much to that journey of her and like it's like it's like what I appreciate in films where like they don't need to act act or they don't need to explicitly state like what period of her life she's in um so that's poor things then for I have maestro because you know after interviewing Mark Bridges I'm someone that was low on maestro and I think what he does with the costumes like adds so much nuance to the story especially like the relationship between Lenny and Felicia uh, of just like little things that peek out about like the di their dynamics and their and the love story and the complications and just them as people that watching it yesterday it just I don't know it got deeper for me so I I think like what his work that he's able to do here and it's not so like also I think when we have like true stories about people like there's people that are so insistent on finding like every single photograph of that person and like recreating every single outfit and I like hear that they like they used photographs as like reference but it wasn't like they had to do that and like they were able to kind of use like how these characters would be and like what they would most likely dress like and like with accessories and everything um so I like that then I have Killers of the Flower Moon 
Um, I don't know my re- I don't know my reasonings behind it. <laughs> I like that they had like uh the Osage Nation um consultants on like the textiles and the textures and like what they would be wearing at that time, and then also just showing the timeline of like when they have money and they're rich to like when they're overtaken by like the white people and how like the clothing is affected by that. Two, I have Oppenheimer. I love Ellen. I love a power suit. I love like the silhouette of, I love the silhouettes on the actors and like their bodies, like kind of going back to like how Maestro does it of like, you're not suffocating or distracting or like doing too much for them to look exactly like the people. Like it's really fit to, you know, like Emily Blunt and Killian Murphy and like this whole ensemble of people. And I also love like, similar to Maestro of these really elaborate like ensembles like in Oppenheimer specifically when he's giving the speech after the bomb and like how everyone is dressed uh with just like it's a really appealing color palette even though it's like a very serious moment within the film and I just like I'm always amazed by costume designers for having that ability to like in their brain of seeing how they would map out like a bunch of people wearing different colors without it clashing and then obviously Barbie, she is an icon and I love the mix of a lot of like archival pieces with a lot of, um, you know, like things that they came up with Greta and like things that are referencing to Barbie and like things from high fashion. And I just think like the costumes are some of the best I've ever seen in a film. Those are all my explanations. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is my category. Um yeah, I agree with a lot of that. Um, I'm like literally, we keep saying it, but all the craft categories this year, it's just so stacked. So and it's hard. like that's why I'm like, there's no way it's five movies I like. Well, you that's why Napoleon is gonna shuffle in somehow. You brought up a good point yesterday <laughs> as if people were there, but like the 10 best pictures are all such like heavy craft or like the 10 like what we think are all such heavy crafts that it's like it's interesting to see if anything like usually something or like breakthrough so it's going to be interesting I think on that front me and Jillian had a pre-podcast yesterday (laughs) (laughs) okay moving on to my least favorite category because I really don't understand anything about it um because they're magicians visual (laughs) effects (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how they do it. Um, I mean that in the nicest, like I genuinely don't understand. So I have Godzilla minus one at five. I feel it. It's happening. He brought a statue of Godzilla to Critics Choice tonight. Bless. Oh my god. Um, four. I have Society of the Snow. Um, I don't feel great about that. Like, what if it's Indiana Jones? I don't know. Um, but I do think like Society of the Snow is kind of what we all assumed maybe um, Oppenheimer could have been essentially. It's like like subtle visual effects that aren't like the, the, like the main focus of the film. Um, not that it, like they're like not like the way that um, Rebel Moon is where you're like this is a visual effects film. Like, yeah. That's not how you would describe society. That's not that that's how you describe movies. I don't know. Don't listen to me. And then um, as I continue to talk. And then at three, I have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. 
And then, which I also not feeling that great about because it missed the shortlist for makeup. Yeah. And I just am, I don't know. Um, not that that has one to do with the other. It's just like the movie in general. Um, and then two, I do have poor things. We kind of, there's always like at least something that's like a best picture contender in here. And I think that's in here. And then number one, I think is the creator. I just think that movie went is so heavy on visual effects and um that's the one thing people highlighted in a positive way um so yeah that's my visual effects lineup uh but let me tell you if indiana jones is in there it not shocking not shocking not shocking even though also jillian made me see indiana jones and um i was upset I was upset. Mine is seeing the Dune 2 trailer in IMAX. All right, Jillian, what is your five? Um, At five, I have Godzilla minus one. Haven't seen it, but it feels like it's getting a lot of love. Um, At four, I have Society of the Snow. Um, Also interviewed those people. (laughs) And they just like, I don't know. It's like whenever you talk to the people that made the movies, they bring up such good points or have you like think like in this movie watching it. Um, if you've seen it, they at some points they send off like different members of the group to go like explore, you know, like to find the second half of the plane or like at the end when they're like, we're going to go like across the mountain to the, this other country to like get help. And like, it's it was one where you're watching it and you're like oh wow they're making so much progress and then and then the camera zooms out and it's like no like you can really feel the distance that they're going and like again like the resilience and the hardship and I just think that's like so a part of why it's so immersive is like the time that they took to go like map out these mountains and like really put in the perspective through all of the visual effects that like you as the viewer even if you know like that some people are surviving like you're just like they're not gonna make it like it just really brings you into the story and then just how they did the whole like plane crash insane um again I will probably never watch this film because it was too much but I think like the whole like just placing you in the perspective of how like them and this tiny plane like compared to like these mountains it was like just it was so crazy um, then I have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I don't know. I don't know about that one. I haven't seen it. Uh, Isn't that the one <laughs> with um, Bradley Cooper? Yeah. That- yeah. Yeah. He's great. Love. We love Rocket Raccoon. I heard he's good uh, in it. He's really good in these Guardians of the Galaxy films. He's like my favorite character. Uh, haven't seen it though, but like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's getting in. It's just, I just put it there. And then I have Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. <laughs> that would be exciting. I have it at six. Cause I'm like hoping it's able to do it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like people just really like the Spider-Verse. Yeah. It's just a very passionate film and they're always like, I feel like they've always done a good job with like the last one and this one of just being everywhere. And then number one, I have poor things because why not? Why not poor things? I have so you're it's no the creator. Wow, that's actually I feel like maybe that could happen. People just hate that movie. Yeah. Wow. I just kind of looking at this, I kind of just hate this category. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, I just like I wish I could listen to it's them just all like talk not about it. Not inspiring. There's nothing that's really like Oppenheimer not being here is just really like, upsetting. They, they did it to themselves. <laughs> yeah. Um. So moving on to one of my favorite categories that never ends up anywhere near what I want because it just turns into what is nominated for Best Picture. Um, film editing. So I took out something that I think has some of the best editing of the year in Ferrari. I have decided to just move on. I'm so actually I have it at six. What am I talking about? <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I think I'm gonna move something else up ahead of it though. I think I'm gonna put Barbie at six because yeah, I keep thinking about taking something out of my lineup and putting Barbie in my five. But so as of right now, I have Barbie at six. So my official five, I have the holdovers because again, this turns into the best picture nominees. Um, and then I took a risk. This is probably my actual number five. I have Anatomy of a Fall. Yeah. I don't think if you're betting money on this, don't do that unless you're willing to lose. Um, but I just, I don't know, as of right now, I think the film editing is kind of like what really helps tell the story that Justine is telling and like the perspective that she's putting on the audience. Um, and just like the suspense and mystery of like what she's exploring there works yeah. so well because of the editing. Um, <clears throat> three, I have Poor Things. Two, I have Killers of the Flower Moon. And number one, I have Oppenheimer. I don't, I feel like maybe Anatomy of Falls Out and Barbie's in. Maybe. I don't know. But I do want to say the Iron Claw should be in the five that's my ted talk about that i'm gonna have another ted talk about the iron claw at length later you should stick around stick around so jillian what is your five for film editing okay at five i have anatomy of a fall like i just think there's always like something wild they throw in for editing well and... it kind of reminds me of tar getting in yeah that's that's such a good nomination and I feel like if people really love anatomy of a fall like I think it could pick up some extra like overperforming kind of like tar and I think the editing really helps the story of kind of you know you're 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 we're defining someone's life the entire life by this one moment and like it's very investigative like I think the editing really speaks to that of us trying to put into our minds of like what's happening um so I'm gonna put that there uh, four, I have four things, but honestly, what if I took it out? I don't know what I would put in there because I think a lot of people, like the one complaint of the movie is like there's moments when it like drags and I don't know. And like the third act, a lot of people don't like basically Christopher Abbott on a lot of people don't like that part of it. Yeah. Like it's not to me like watching it. It's not really like an editing movie. So I don't, I mean, I think if I think. My Months thing. ago, when it was like, everyone's like, oh my God, like what's beating poor things at Venice and like all this stuff, I would have been like, yeah, let's throw in editing there. But I don't feel as like confident in in it for editing as I would have. So I might at one point, probably like before voting ends, I might move it out for something else. Barbie? Um, you don't even have Barbie in your tent. Oh my God, why? <laughs> 
I, I'm just gonna do it now. When am I moving out? I mean, the iron claw isn't happening. Um, what did I have in there? I had poor things. I'll just put poor things for the iron claws. Um, and then three, I have Killers of Flower Moon. Is it my favorite editing? That's the the editing is what I have the issues with in the movie. But you know, like it's Thelma, it's Marty, it's a big epic. Like I feel like all of the killers nominations I have is just like it's just like the placeholder, like it's the default that it's gonna get in. Uh so I'm like, it's it's just there. It's just there. You know what? I did something crazy. I did something crazy. The killer is at number two. I literally like listen, I have it getting a sole nomination, just not here um you know Kirk Baxter is one of our best editors living and wouldn't it be so fun if they picked up a nomination for that but their distributor has been doing such a terrible job with really highlighting the artisans of this film and just really speaking to like why it's the best editing I don't think it's gonna get in I think it's just like fun to put it at two but you know, in my opinion, in my awards, it's the best editing. And then at number one, of course, Oppenheimer. Um, this is a film I've seen eight times. And I think it really speaks to how well it's edited. You never feel the time at all, even though it's three hours. I think what Jennifer Lane does here with the black and white um, timeline of really making it emotional and sad and like vindictive of the, the Strauss storyline really just complements it and doesn't just make it like a style choice that they decided to go black and white uh, she's also mixing like so many different genres into one movie like everything about it just flows so perfectly and every time like I watch it I'm just ready to take flight and like go into this world um and like even like talking also interviewed her and talking to her like even like everyone's really thing on like the trinity sequence and she herself she's like that was like my least favorite part of the entire movie and i think like having that mentality and like being able to like the second half of the movie is the best part of the movie well we just went to the oppenheimer like concert film and the um intermission starts right after the bomb goes off and I was amazed at how many people left because I'm like the part after that is my favorite part of the movie it's so good and I feel like it's because she also believes that that like that's why it stays it's so full steam ahead after the bomb and doesn't really like she doesn't let it drop it off and I just think she's the best I just think it's the best so I put it at one and she's really incredibly nice. And um, yeah, stay tuned for Jillian's interview with her. Um, moving on to cinematography, which we love this category. Every year they give us something really wild and good. I hope we get it this year. At five, I have Zone of Interest. Four, Poor Things. Three, Maestro. Two, Killers of the Flower Moon. One, Oppenheimer. I just want to say, I think it's really funny that we have three movies that are half black and white and half color. It's it's the moment. It's the moment of the time. It's really interesting. Um, I also just want to say, pour two out. I think John Wick Chapter 4 should be here. It's really upsetting to me. I wish ASC like did something for it. 
Um, and Saltburn. I love the cinematography in Saltburn. I think it's really incredible work. Um, yeah, it'd be yeah. cool if they showed up, but they will not. So do we have the same five? Yeah. Uh, I like that ASC put in El Conde. I hope yeah. he gets in because if I'm going to be honest, the cinematography of poor things, like it's not my favorite. There's like certain areas of this film that I'm like, I appreciate it, but I don't think like to me, it's not like it's like fisheye. Like it's cool, but it's like every single time Jillian said, I'm going to be honest. It's been her being like, let me tell you about poor things. Well, it's like, it's cool, but like, I don't, like, I would have put in El Conde there. I put in John McCore. I would put in Ferrari. It, it's Ferrari like, Ferrari should absolutely be here. Like, I would put in something else. So, like, that's what so I have. Thought. I'm honestly wondering, because I have El Conde at six. I'm wondering what if Poor Things does fall out? Like, I feel like maybe Poor Things, I don't know. I just have been feeling like a shift. And I know people were like, it won the globe over Barbie and like Emma Stone won the globe. And I'm like, yeah, I just feel like that movie has kind of like not fizzled. It's just like softened on people. Yeah, I'm not feeling the passion. Even like with Emma Stone winning, it's doesn't that it's not like I'm not feeling it. Like it's not it's not like Emma will talk about but I do feel something there with her I just don't feel it with the film as much as I did to begin with um yeah and then like for me personally I think Oppenheimer Killers and Maestro and I know people don't like Maestro but like what Matthew Libatique did here is fucking incredible and I think everybody who isn't just a Twitter user recognizes that um like, it's such stunning work. And, like, the way at the panel we went to, they were talking about the sound of the camera for the black and white film. Like, I don't know. It's just, like, they're so, like, they really worked so hard on, like, the way they shot that film. And I think it really shows. And um, I don't know. Like, there are so many beautiful shots, even if you don't like the movie. Like, you all accepted the coffee table book. Um <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't know I think it's so beautiful I think like Oppenheimer Killers and Maestro feel like locked not that anything's locked but just feel really yeah. locked and yeah. then I kind of feel like those last two like it could be El Conde it could be Zone of Interest poor things like it sh- maybe it is just safe and I'm hallucinating but like we usually get like a curveball here yeah and it's usually for an international film yeah. And, like, because El Conde's been recognized for its cinematography multiple times, and then, like, it missed out on being its country submission, like, maybe that's where it shows up. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, a respected cinematographer. cinematographer yeah. Cinematographer branch is, like, weird. Um, And, like, zone of interest. Like, that guy was nominated for Cold War. Like, you know, and I think... I... I because of the PGA with Zone, I am just anticipating it to pick up, again, pick up nominations in places you wouldn't expect it to, but it, like, makes sense. And I could definitely see cinematography because what they do is just so fascinating to the story. And so, I like, four and, four and five, I think, can be open to anyone. Uh, but one, two, three, like, that feels like Maestro, Oppenheimer, Killers feels locked 
like locked up for the three of them in this category there's just so many good like people that could be nominated in four and five just really stressful like you have past winners you have like respected like colleagues like there's no one in this category that's like a new person which is interesting with like how cinematography works but like it's just like a, it's just like the the usual suspects of cinematography like anybody could get in i'm really interested to see like what we end up getting um moving on to my least favorite category original song um so i've had the same five pretty much for a while i have road to freedom from rustin and never went away american symphony the fire inside flame and hot which before you laugh diane warned um i'm just ken from barbie and then what was i made for from barbie i do think if i'm just ken misses it's just dance the night from barbie also is my thing um but i think if anything misses from that five that is not a barbie song i think the song from killers of the flower moon gets it oh that would be really cool yeah i i don't know um, what if what if wes anderson won his oscar for best original song is he like considered the writer on that yeah wait what if he doesn't win what if he gets nominated for it and uh live action short and he doesn't win either but he that would be so sad we're gonna win an oscar uh i have road to freedom uh the american symphony song olivia rodrigo (laughs) i'm just ken and what was i made for because like the rest i could see i could see killers getting the song um, that flaming hot one, the searchlight people were like, we don't want to put any more money into this campaign. So I don't think it's unless there's like an organic, you know, Fran Fisher. Um, but I don't know. Even like the Spider Man song, like do you remember like the last Spider Man? Like everyone was like really loving the songs and like there was like we were listening it to all the time. But I feel like this one I haven't heard too much about. That's true. Yeah. But if people are really passionate about that movie, that could just be something it could carry over. Because original song is just so... At least we know what the winner is, you know? Like, at least we know what the winner is. Yeah, literally. But I don't know. I'm not really... I wish they could just... I do just want to say that um, the wrong Diane Warren song is in contention. It should be the 80 for Brady song. Oh my god, that was so good. And I don't know what we're doing here. Okay, in there. Moving on to sound, which is where I have something special for Jillian. I think the killer is getting the sole sound nomination. I have it a five. Um, I kicked out Ferrari for the killer. I don't know. I can't have it all. I can't have it all. Like I can't have the killer and Ferrari. Like the Oscars won't do that to me. Um so at five, I have The Killer. At four, I have Maestro. At three, I have The Zone of Interest because I do believe, I believe, um, if PJA can do it, it's getting a sound nomination. Be serious. Um, and then I have Killers of Flower Moon at two and then Oppenheimer at one. Do we have the same five? Oh, we don't have the same five because you, you put my beloved dead in a ditch, man. 
I have Napoleon <laughs> at one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Barbie being in this category is so funny. Um, at five, I have the killer. At four, I have the zone of interest because sound is a character. At three, killers again, sound is a character. Two, I have Ferrari and one I have Oppenheimer. Like I wish I could put Maestro in, but I don't know what I would take. Okay, out. you know what I'm kind of thinking. It's hard. You know what I'm kind of thinking. Is this Napoleon? Is this Napoleon? Is Maestro Napoleon? No, is the killer Napoleon? Oh. Because we can't have nice things. I don't know. <laughs> I have Napoleon so far down. I have it at nine. I think Mission Impossible, unfortunately, what happens is it sticks to its stat of being never Oscar nominated. Yeah. Um, And then... uh. Fuck, I think I take the killer out for Napoleon. I think this is Napoleon. It's not production design. It's sound. You know what? No, I'm going to hope Dick one thing. The killer. Okay. I'm going to do it. You're like, I'm putting Napoleon in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put Napoleon in. Because like, what if I put it in and then it gets in and it was because of me. Napoleon? Yeah. I just, there's somebody who I need to find their letterboxed review of Napoleon because that movie was so mean to horses and it's it really did stay with me. Because I took one for the team. I saw that movie by myself with a bunch of other older people, not like uh, other, like I'm older, like they were significantly older than me. Um, But yeah, oh, I think it's Napoleon. I think the killer's out. I think... I think the lineup is Napoleon, Maestro, The Zone of Interest, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer. Yeah. You know what? At least the holdovers isn't <laughs> Okay, moving on to the, the funniest category because I think something bad's going to happen. Um, Original score. And I just got to say, the past live score is one of my most listened to and I'm really sad it was not eligible here. Um, I do not have Barbie in, but I wait. I'm I'm looking at it's at ten after I just. I no, hear me out because I think before it was shortlisted, we were just like it wasn't even in my ten, and then it was shortlisted, and I was like I got to put it in, but I do think that like listening to it on its own, like you don't realize how good it is. Yeah. Um, that could also be just like a coattail nomination. Yeah. Especially because the song that's winning is not Mark Ronson. You know, like one of yeah. the few. Like, okay, so my five. I because I think something bad is happening. Okay. Like I just think something bad is coming. So and this is no shade to him. It's just the movie. I have Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny at five. Okay. And then I have Poor Things. And then I have Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. Daniel has a score I like more from this year. Um, and then I have Killers of the Flower Moon and then Oppenheimer. Should I put in Barbie instead of Indiana Jones? I just put Barbie at five. You know uh, what score should be in here? Zone of Interest. 
Yes, but also, why can't you listen to it? Because it's like short. Is that why it's not available? The zone of interest. Yeah, you can't. It's on the street. Like you can't listen to it. Um. No. What about the boy in the harem? What if that? What if that's five? I'm not buying Spider Man at three. Oh, you think it's like five? I think it's like four. I think it's like not there. <gasps> okay. Oh, oh, okay. Also, I just want to say that she had Indiana Jones in when I started talking and she put it at 10. <laughs> she went from five to 10. <laughs> I'm seeing. Okay. Wait, one of three or five okay. and then explain why we, we dr- drastically took things out. <laughs> okay. Uh, five. I have Barbie. Um, okay. I love Andrew Wyatt and Mark Ronson, and I think, I think they know. I think they know it's a vulnerable on the chopping block. Let's say Barbie also overperformed, but you're like, how does Barbie overperform? But I well, think- this is what Adriana was talking about. He was like, I think it's gonna get like Titanic nomination. I think it's gonna get it. I think it's gonna get. And I think once you listen to the score, excluding like the soundtrack, you're like, it really changes the movie into like where let's like let's like act like we removed the the score from the dialogue. Like this movie is so absurd that it is the score that grounds what they're saying and makes you believe that like it just makes you believe that this is all real and like not like you're because I you know when you watch movies and you're like it's it's really hard for me to connect with this because it feels so outlandish and like that's what Barbie could have done but I think it's the music of where they know how to enhance and like direct the vision that really brings it back to this really emotional beat of a story and I feel like for me that's why I'm gonna put it at five and I like Mark Ronson past winner um I just like can't like I just think it's Barbie is just gonna do something crazy. So that's at five. At four, I have poor things with Jerkson. Is that his name? Is that how we pronounce it? I don't know. Jerkson's in. Jerkson is he's in the finish line. I think he gets in. Three, the boy in the heron. <laughs> I think it just makes sense that that gets in. Uh I think there's a real love for the boy in the heron. Like, would I be surprised if boy in the heron won animated feature? Because at some places it's like where I was like positive Spider-Verse was going to be picking up things for like critics. It's been the boy in the heron. Um, so I'm going to put that there. Okay. Two killers of the flower moon. And one is Oppenheimer. Obviously I think Oppenheimer did the smart thing of doing Oppenheimer live in concert and like, inviting so many people there to really witness like what the score does for the rest of the film um and like I think that's the smartest move they could have done there's a world where I think killers like beats Oppenheimer in this category because people really are like hey the killer score like I like it better than Oppenheimer they're like Oppenheimer my friend was literally like, Oppenheimer is just, can you hear the music? And I'm like, there's other, there's other scores. There's well, other- I even noticed that at the concert that like, that was the one everybody took their phones out for. And that was the only like 
mid-movie standing ovation. And I was like, dude, I get it. And even Chris, when he introduced it, was like, I set him up by having a line. Can you hear the music? Like, he had a lot of pressure from that moment on. Um, But it's just like, like, the killer score is so... So good. It's so good. It's, um, like... I don't know. It's like, it's so overwhelming at times, but it never takes away from the story. And I think that's like so crucial to how the story unfolds is that like, it is this like loud, big music, but it's never like the, like the focus of the scene. And um, I don't know. It's, and it's just like, it's so identifiable also. And like, it really makes me like emotional when I hear it, even outside of the movie. And I'm like, that's the power of, Robbie Robertson that's just like yeah um, okay I did it I did I changed Barbie poor things Spider-Man killers Oppenheimer so the only difference is you have the boy and the heron yeah okay (laughs) if Indiana Jones gets in and Barbie doesn't I'm gonna be so pissed (laughs) also read Jillian's interview with Mark Ronson and Andrew Wyatt they talk about they talk about Jillian's exclusive of having a Barbie movie concert. I think we'd all like to go. Listen, Imagine dance the night away in person. Listen, when we saw Barbie the Barbie the movie, <laughs> when we saw Barbie the movie in Dolby, we were in the front row, and I was like, Charlie XCX in Dolby. I was like, I have a like, I have. I was like, why does it kind of feel like we're at we're already at a concert more than like. A movie and so I'm like where do we where do we get this uh but I think also like I think adding in for Barbie like Mark and Andrew's first time doing a full-length feature film of like that narrative too I don't know how I don't know how composers are but like that's oh you know what I just realized wasn't Saltburn shortlisted for score? Yeah. It's so good, too. Where is it? The Felix Amica. Is that Amica? Why don't, Amica? I, have a, why don't I have Saltburn anywhere? Because you have Elemental still. Oh, you know what? In my world, Saltburn, <laughs> Saltburn's winning best score. In my world, Saltburn gets five nominations. In my world, Barry Kilgan is winning best actor. True, true, true. So where we've settled is I have from five to one, Barbie, Poor Thing, Spider-Man, Killers, Oppenheimer, Jillian, what is your five to one? Barbie, Poor Things, Boy in the Heron, Killers, Oppenheimer. I like that we have everything the exact same order. It's just three. We have different animated features. <laughs> Incredible. But it would be really cool for either of those to get in because they're both great scores. And you know what's yeah. going to happen? It's going to be fucking Indiana Jones. Which, like, sure, it's a good score. But it's just like, God. Well, it's just, like, the nostalgia. And then also, like, um, uh, last year when um, John Williams was nominated for, uh, for what's it called? The Fablemans. And I don't the silence of the film. Like, he was literally nominated for creating silence. Um... But it's like it's like for him, is it more special if it's he's doing a Steven Spielberg film, or is it more special if it's like Indiana Jones? This is like my second plea: just skip this Indiana Jones movie. Like, just skip it, Academy. Okay, just skip it. 
Um, moving on to a category I'm sure we'll spend two minutes maximum on, considering we know what's going on here. Supporting actor. It's Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> he just won Critics' Choice while we were talking. Um, He's someone that really benefits from doing a televised speech. Okay. Who's five? Okay, five. Oh my god, why does this keep moving? I'm done with the sound. At five, I just... I don't want him to be five. It's Robert De Niro. Good old Bob. Who does Good old Bob. absolutely nothing in his film. I think he's good. He's very scary. He, I just am like, he did so much more in The Irishman and give him a nomination. And yes, that was lead, but I know he was the titular Irishman. Yeah, my favorite Italian. Um, okay. What's your four? Uh, I have Mark Ruffalo. Okay, I like the confidence. I have Willem (laughs) Dafoe. Okay, two, I have Ryan Gosling. Okay, one, I have RDJ. Okay, so I think we can both agree, and as can everyone listening. Robert Downey Jr., Ryan Gosling, one and two. They're in. There's They're in. there's no question. Um, yes, I tweeted in like July or August that Ryan Gosling wasn't happening. I don't know. Um like I he did he got a, an award last night and in um what's that place called? Santa, Santa Barbara. Barbara. And I told my mom about it and she got she was like, he won an award. Like it's just something about him. It's just something about him. You want to root for him. Yes. Even if he doesn't win. And like, like comedic uh, performances just don't get, that's that was my biggest holdup. But like they just don't get recognized. And I just honestly thought he wasn't going to get nominated. Um, But now it's just like he's going to get nominated. He's just not going to win anything, I guess. Um. Okay. So those two were set. Willem Dafoe, I think is kind of set, to be honest. He just like he, he's not he, a lock, but I feel like he's in the in the three to four range, not five. He, he's just someone that like he'll just do a performance and he's like he's there. He got in for at Eternity's Gate. Yeah, like, like that, he's gonna get in for a Best Picture nominated film. Yeah, where like he's kind of at times the audience stand in with like his parental connection to Bella, and like well, his also- ending is really emotional and like stays with you and like that's what gets that that is how Judd Hirsch got in <laughs> that he was like the emotional yeah. connection and he like had a moment that stayed with the audience and I think out of poor things I feel like that is Willem Dafoe for most men um yeah and also like I'm just basing it off of how the favorite got both supporting actresses in and lead so I'm like it just seems like the formula for a Yorgos Lanthimos film. Okay, and then after Willem Dafoe is where I I get it. I'm being told Robert De Niro is a lock. I just, I don't know. Because this category just feels, it feels so all over the place that Bob could be in, sure. And then who is fifth? Is it Mark Ruffalo? Is it Charles Melton? who was not BAFTA long-listed and did not get nominated Zach. I think, I think he's over. 
I think it missed opportunity. I also is it instead of Charles Melton, is it Dominic Sessa? Because how weird is it to have of the trio two of the three in and not the third? I think Dominic Sessa gets in. What if what if the holdovers picks up film editing Dominic Sessa? Look, look what I'm just doing. Is she doing it? Oh my god, she took out Bob De Niro for Dominic Sessa. You're acting like he wasn't Okay, Great. hear me out. Hear me out. I stole Jillian's line. Hear me out. <laughs> I told her this last night. She got so upset. Huh? <laughs> I told you this last night. You got so upset. Oh. What if my arch enemy, Matthew Damon, shows up for Oppenheimer? I don't think. I don't think Oppenheimer overperforms. Okay. You I think if anything is if anything is overperforming, that's like a leading contender. It's Barbie. I'm just saying. Oppenheimer overperforms and like like honestly it picking up costume design to me is overperforming because that's where that's the only spot I see for it that's vulnerable because it hasn't really been picking up a lot of costume. I don't know. I just feel something. And we all know I hate him. I need a 520 coffee. <laughs> yeah. It's four fi- it's 450. That's not a 520. Keep this out. Let me see if my coffee machine works now. Okay, I'm gonna keep talking about Matt Damon. So here's my my worry is that that is a coattail nomination for Oppenheimer. So I guess I have RDJ, Ryan Gosling, Willem Dafoe. Bob De Niro. And then I guess I put in Mark Ruffalo, but I just don't feel that great about it. Like, what if they do something crazy and it's Dominic Sessa, Charles Melton? What if, like, Charles feels like a good sole nomination for May, December if it blinks everywhere else. Um, Or Sterling K. Brown could pop up if American fiction overperforms. I just don't know. And I'm really stressed that... We're not going to have John from Past Lives in here. Who else could we have? Jesse Plemons should be in here. Everyone's <laughs> in the Flower Moon. What if, what if, what if Glenn Howerton pops up? What do you think about that? What if the little boy from um, Anatomy of a Fall pops up? I would, I would, I would literally, like, you live two blocks, three blocks from me, you would hear me scream. If he got in. Well, I will be in Utah, so I would have to hear you. Oh, come. yeah. Well, you probably will. Um, um, how? I think... What if the five is... What if the five is Milo or Milo? Milo from Anatomy of the Fall, Charles Milton, Dominic Sessa, Glenn Howerton, and Jacob Elordi. Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons. That's the five. Real supporting actor of Killers of the Flower Moon. That's the five. No, I think it's RDJ, Ryan Gosling, Willem Dafoe, Bob. I'm still going to stick with Charles Milton. I'm just going to fucking die on the hill. I'm just going to die on the motherfucking Charles Angels Hill. He's in. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Okay. <laughs> okay. Another easy peasy category. Is Supporting it? actress. 
No, I'm kidding. It's <laughs> fucking horrifying. Okay. Supporting actress. Oh, yours is wild. I dig yours. You want to walk us through your five? At five, I have Penelope Cruz. The SAG, the SAG nomination confirmed it for me. I think whether you hate or like Ferrari, she is the most undeniable thing about the movie. And it takes one still to really like, you're like, oh yeah, she's acting. I have her at five. Also Parallel Mothers, she got in. 11 people watched Parallel Mothers and she scored the lead actress nomination. At four, I have Emily Blunt. I think she gets just gets in because of Oppenheimer. And I think like, I know people have issues with her role. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I think what she does with it is like, and how she's been talking about it, I think it's really effective of just, it's it's more so like she is representing an entire class or ideology of women in the time that she is portraying Kitty Oppenheimer. And I just think it's, you know, I think it's an interesting conversation. Three, I have Rachel McAdams. I don't know, maybe something crazy happens. I think Rachel McAdams is a beloved icon. I think Mean Girls, everyone is thinking about her right now. Oh, that's a good call. Are you there, goddess me, Margaret? I think like it seemed like it was something that was like, dead in the water after it came out and I think people have been like embracing it I don't think it I don't know it, maybe she's a sole nomination uh previous nominee it's like if this movie came out like I, like in November she just gives like a performance you would nominate for an Oscar I don't think she I don't know maybe she doesn't get in but like I think it'd be something interesting um Danielle Brooks the color purple I think this is the only nomination the color purple gets is Danielle Brooks. And I can give a whole TED talk about what, what went down with the color purple. Um, and then I, the winner obviously is Davine Joy Randolph for the holdover. She's been winning everything. I don't see her not winning this unless like something truly crazy happens. Like I'm interested to see SAG, with with Penelope Cruz in it I don't I don't think Penelope Cruz wins SAG but I think it just adds another interesting dynamic for the women and then honorable mentions I think is like someone like Rosamund Pike would be really fun I think I think May December is just out for acting um Jodie Foster you know maybe Sandra but yeah that's what I'm feeling well I have Sandra I have Sandra at five and then I have Jodie Foster at four, Danielle Brooks at three, Emily Blunt two, Divine at one. But hear me out. What if, what if Danielle misses? I know she hasn't missed anywhere, but like it's a breaking a lot of stats for her to be a sole nomination for the color purple. My thing is. But she just hasn't missed anywhere. My thing is, I don't know. It's either in these three categories. It's either an actor, leading actress, or supporting actress. We get something like when Lady Gaga got everything except the... Yeah! Like, someone from one of those categories is missing. It could... it could. Which I think is Bob De Niro, to be completely honest. I think Bob misses 
and it's Charles Melton and Mark Ruffalo in, or like Dominic Sessa. Someone, someone that's been landing everything, I think is out. And I just like Danielle Brooks would break so many stats to get to be a sole nomination, which maybe that means like Color Purple get something else. But like, but what? Nothing. <sighs> okay. I mean, right now, Randolph is clearly winning the Oscar and it's gonna be amazing. She's gonna give a great speech. Um, she won Critics' Choice today. Emily Blunt is just getting in because Oppenheimer is just everything. Uh, Jodie Foster, I just feel like she's in. I don't know. I would love to be wrong and Penelope be in instead. So cool. Um, but Jodie Foster is so cool. So who cares about the movie? She's just in for being Jodie Foster. Um, but Sandra, I just, I don't know. It could just be like for the same reason I'm putting Sandra in could be the same reason you put America in where it's just like the movie has such domination that like it just overperforms. Um if there okay, I'm predicting there are four movies that potentially overperform. It's Barbie, it's Zone, it's Anatomy, and it's American fiction. Those are the four I see picking up things in places not predicted. Where do you think American fiction picks something else up? Maybe supporting actor. <laughs> Sterling? Okay. I think at, at or least... Or like editing. Yeah, at least American fiction at least picks up three. Okay. Um. Yeah. Sandra? I think uh, I can see Sandra. I mean, if it's not her, it's Penelope Cruz for me. Yeah. I took Penelope out to put Sandra in. And I'm leaving Jodie Foster and I'm not mad about it because it's Jodie Foster, but I am mad about it. Just so everyone knows. I, okay. Is that it? Yeah. What happened to May-December? I don't know. Like, what happened? What happened there? Um... Okay, so moving on to lead actor. You put Bradley at five? All right, all right, all right. Did I start? Did you yeah. just feel I'm shocked. I couldn't keep it to myself. At five, I have Bradley Cooper. Um... I think that's self-explanatory uh i don't think he misses i think he's in i think my because i think my show just picks up i think it's picked up things i think the makeup one it's gonna pick that up like it would be weird i mean that happened to lady gaga but like i don't think it's gonna happen here um for i have paul Giamatti, who's probably actually two i think he's been like he's doing what i said he was gonna do like months decades ago where it's like you get him on a stage. He delivers like Paul Giamatti. He's funny. He's sentimental. You know, there's all these people that are like remembering like the role that that really turned them on to him, whether it's like John Adams, Big Fat Liar, Billions, like sideways. Like there's so much history there. And it's like, it's really sparking something with people. It's like having a very understated movement. And he's just been playing it very 
subtly you know he's showing up to everything but he's not being too much he's like just he's just being paul he's just paul then i have jeffrey wright because out of all of these people anytime someone gives an interview at one of these events of who they're most excited to meet it's most likely jeffrey wright of how of who people really admire and i think him i think the sag pickups for him and sterling like just really show like he's really pushing the movie um he's such a beloved dramatic actor that people have been like really loving his more comedic approach in American fiction I think American fiction also just like is a film that's able to speak to people because it's not preaching it's not yelling it's just giving you time to think about identity and like so many different themes and I think like Jeffrey's performance is really something special that we have from him um number two I have Leonardo DiCaprio like he did miss SAG but like I don't think he's missing this. Like, it's Leonardo DiCaprio. It's his best performance. It's his best performance. Like, people that are saying it's not, it's his best performance. He has been on the campaign trail for Lily, but I think it's just seeing his face. And I don't know if it's like, I don't know. Also, like, I don't know if the PTA nomination, if maybe people are like, okay, like, he'll be back for that. We'll like, he'll be like, we'll drop him here. I don't know if that impacts anything. I just like don't see a world where like for his best performance he's not nominated. Um, and then of course that one I have my guy for Oppenheimer. And I'm very happy that he was able to give a televised speech at the Globes because I think it really helped people kind of see more of his personality. And I think, you know, he's not a very social man on these red carpets but he's he's been improving a lot and i think people are taking note and just the round of applause he got at the oppenheimer live and concert and i think him being everywhere is really going to also help like christopher nolan's campaign um and their relationship so okay so we have the same five but i have jeffrey wright at five leo at four paul at three bradley at two killian at one I think also, I think there's a world where Leo could miss because I think like the consensus is just like he's not winning. So like he could have just lost passion, I guess. I think he's in. I don't think he's missing. But I think if he misses, it might be for Coleman Domingo. Yeah. Um, And it's not because of SAG. It's just like because he's kind of been everywhere. Color purple is kind of practically blanking and he's really great in that movie as well and I think he just has like a good amount of support in the industry and um the production company behind it the Obamas like but I do think Rustin really was affected by the SAG strike like him not being able to be out there from the start I think it's a movie and a campaign that really needed him there from day one and he probably would be in the five if he had been able to really campaign the whole time honestly um but I think he's like at six and then I I actually think Barry is like I like six or seven too Barry's there (laughs) like he's there and then Andrew Scott also is there um I'm curious what the BAFTA lineup is before I'm like okay this is it but I really I really do feel like Leo's in I just think like he's been more present on the campaign trail this season than like any recent memory and it reminds me so much of once upon a time in hollywood where one it's a movie that is huge 
from a legend director to his co-star is sweeping, sweeping and winning everything. And and Leo's just been there and support the same way that he was with Brad. Did like and, the thing last night or the other night at the arrow, like it's just out there it's so i don't know and it's like leo they want leo at the oscars like i like i don't know like it's leo um, i do think barry kogan gets in for bafta i do too because there's a world where jacob lordy gets in for silver come on partners um yeah i yeah i don't know We'll see. But I do think Jeffrey Wright has a ton of momentum. And I think that, like, I don't know. That feels like a great first nomination for him. Well, also, like, I don't want to be mean to, like, the rest of the people in this category. But, like, Jeffrey Wright, like, every time he he speaks at something, it's, like, the most, like, passionate. Like, I'm sure everyone else cares about their performances. But it's, like, it's the most, like, genuine and, like, he's not, it's, it's not where he's, like, actively thinking about, like, I don't know, like talking points or like anything about like, it's just very from the heart. And it's just like, I feel like he's been the most easy to connect with for for voters or just people in general, um, where people probably think that's like Paula Giamatti. But I feel like Jeffrey Wright has been the most accessible person on the trail. And like, I think that Jeffrey Wright always pairs it back to like the film itself and Court Jefferson. And like, he does a great job of like, I don't know, like, he, you can tell he's not, like, excited to be speaking about, like, himself and kind of, like, campaigning for an award, but he's, like, I love this movie, I love working with Cord, the rest of this cast and crew, like, I just, yeah, but that's the five I have for now, I, yeah. I think it's, like, also safe for, like, I don't know like five five through one two like they also all obviously like one of them directed themselves but like they all have like really close relationships with their directors whether it's like yeah I know you have like Jeffrey and Cord Cord's first time directing but there's a real partnership there obviously like people like Killian and Paul working and and Leo like working with like these directors for like pretty much like a lot of their career like it's just very special relationships that you're seeing in this category yeah it's really interesting it's also like the first time in so long I've cared about lead actor um but you know Bradley Cooper always brides me never brides it's gonna say well I guess TBD on what it says but it's probably gonna say like 11 time nominee zero wins oh Moving on to something not as upsetting to me, lead actress. I guess we should start by talking about Frances Fisher. Not that she is in contention, that she is campaigning once again for someone in contention this time. Well, this year she's kind of more focused on the movie versus just lead actress. But some people are taking that as Andrew Ellis is in for origin. What yeah. do you think? What do you think about the Francis Fisher approach? 
Uh, don't even have Allison here. Who is she replacing? Well, everybody thinks she's replacing Carrie Mulligan. I'm like, we have like the same list, and I'm like, where? Who do I not have? I'm just gonna copy your list because it's the same as my list. But um, how do I? It's like oh, okay. This movie has like the weirdest conversation and i don't know what about it because it's like people are getting mad at neon and people are getting like pointing fingers and it's like i also just realized that the movie hasn't even come out yet it's coming out next week and so like i don't know if it was like a release like what what the issue was with the movie because it did get like obviously it got like the standing ovation at venice and went to tiff and like Ava is definitely a filmmaker everyone knows um and I feel like I've been getting ads for this movie for like months and I didn't know it it hadn't come out yet like it's just been a weird like I don't know maybe one day someone makes an investigation but it's not like it's not like to Leslie where it was like nobody knew what this movie was um I don't know like she I loved her in King Richard and obviously she's already like an Oscar nominee and that potentially helps and like it seems like people have like prominent names have been rallying around it but I don't know if it like has that type of stamina especially when you have a film like zone of interest of like that is the timely film about like that you know with like the subject matter but like I don't know I don't think it's likely um okay so my five I took Greta Lee out. And I have Margot Robbie, Carrie Mulligan, Emma Stone, Sandra Huller, and Lily Gladstone. Uh, I don't feel great about taking out Greta. I kind of want to put her back in, take out Margot. I just feel like it's... I don't know. I feel like it kind of has been weighing on me to nominate Ryan and not Margot. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like maybe it's not that complicated and Greta's just in and Margot's like sixth or something. But what do you oh you have the same five. Same order. Um I just feel like past lives maybe it just gets picture and screenplay. Yeah, maybe it's like women talking. Yeah, like I don't know. And then it can also win screenplay. Yeah. The original screenplay is a mess. Um, yeah, I just I don't know. Maybe I'll change my mind if like past lives like overperforms at BAFTA somehow. <laughs> or I don't know. I just it's just been really like I know Margot will get a producer nomination for Barbie. It's just been really like, how do you if especially if I think this film like overperform like that's the other thing so let's say America surprises gets in supporting you're telling me it's getting two acting nominations and not Margot yeah what I don't know I don't know but then I'm like what if America does surprise and then gets three acting nominations that just feels like a lot and not one of them being Kingsley Benadire ridiculous um my favorite ken (laughs) 
Yeah, I think this is Lily's Oscar, and I think her. I honestly really think her biggest competitor is um, Sandra. I know everybody thinks it's Emma, but I kind of think it's Sandra. I feel like she's just like she's been the constant the whole time, and yes, she had the ability to campaign the whole time, but I just feel like her performance is so strong, and especially because it's not contending international feature i feel like there's a real passion to reward it somewhere and we could we'll get into that soon with um categories for justine but i just feel like she has the two films that she's exceptionally great in and in such different ways like i don't think there's that many actors that could have done both of those performances to be honest and it's just like i don't know i think I, it helps her i think it helps that anatomy of a fall did not qualify for him yeah it's weird i feel like a lot of people are so upset but i like i do think it's helping it because it's kind of like be like people are like oh we'll just default it to that yeah um like it forces people to put it somewhere yeah and like show the like, real passion behind yeah but i think it's like that and then i think zone is the one that crosses over to like other categories I fucking knew it. I predicted it. I'm just Ken one. Well, we talked to Critics' Choice winner Mark Bronson. <laughs> oh my god, um, that's so funny. I really thought the Golden Globes was the place that one was gonna. I really like. I agree. Like, I was like, if anywhere. Of Ryan Gosling and I'm just can taking anything. It was the Globes. That's what I bet on, and I was wrong. Um, I didn't even predict it here. I lied. Only Meredith did. So good job, Meredith. Because uh, I, I literally was like, it's only winning at the Globes. Um, okay. So, do you want to say anything else about Emma, or just move on from lead actress Emma? <laughs> yeah, I'm stoned. You want me to give another poor things take? I, that's what I was waiting on, and I think um, I spent it all on. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, the thing this movie has like it's like it's it's marketed, and she said it, and everyone's saying it. It's her best performance. I think it's better than like. I mean, I feel like what she did in La La Land was also like it's those performances are hard. Like they're hard for an actor to do. Um. I don't know. I feel it from her, but I'm not feeling it from like the distributor, from like other people. I'm like the excitement for her and her career of this movie. And like she also produced it. Like it's very obvious as a passion project. You know, I think when it came out of Venice, everyone was like, she's winning her second Oscar. Maybe something so crazy happens and she does. Like that's when I want to see what happens at SAG. But I don't know. Like, I feel like she's always it just like feels something feels off with this with this movie and like what its potential it had like I think I don't know like even when like Olivia Coleman won her Oscar like she seemed more excited like she seemed so excited for like her co-star than like her win and I don't know what's going on with Emma Stone that this feels so weird as someone who has a toddler 
and I'm assuming a lot of other people will identify like the parents will identify this I was like really taken aback by how much she was able to nail like toddler mannerisms really annoyed about this film and maestro is like there's so much like why do you hate maestro so much no no i'm not saying i'm saying there's so much like unnecessary backlash and that's true that's very true people like not that it's like emma and bradley's responsibility to like you know like have a discussion about it but i feel like there's been no like strategy like combating it it's just like it's kind of just happening and then I don't know. Like, it's just kind of been weird. Um, While we were talking, Critics' Choice Cinematography, Oppenheimer, Production Design, Barbie, Foreign Language, Anatomy of a Falls. Um, okay. Moving on to adapted screenplay, oh. which we just got a huge shakeup with Barbie coming from original to adapted, and I'm not getting into this on the podcast, but I think Barbie is original. Gee, bye. Um, Sorry to interrupt the podcast. Someone just posted a video of Kieran Culkin talking to my other love, Killian Murphy. You short kings hanging out. Short kings training tips. Five, seven. Um, Also, I love seeing people that are not CCA members at CCA. <laughs> I thought that wasn't allowed and two CCA members would kick you out. Um so adapted screenplay. I have at five Killers of the Flower Moon. Eric Roth is just such a staple of the adapted screenplay category. My guy. Four, I have poor things. Three, I have Oppenheimer, two American fiction, and one Barbie. Um, I kind of like whenever I talk about this category, I kind of it's like icky. Um, here's my thing because Priscilla and Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret should both be in this category, and it's upsetting it, to me that they are not. I think we have the same killers, four things Oppenheimer, American Fiction, Barbie. I'm kind of like, what if American Fiction wins? I think American Fiction is very competitive in this category, and I think there's a real chance that it Because Let me go through the list. Let me go through the list. Okay. Killers. Killers is a constant. Like Eric Roth, Martin Scorsese, kings of the category. Kings of the category. Poor things. If Tony McNamara did not win for the favorite against Green Book, it's like... It's over. Uh, you know? It's, and like It's Jover. It's Jover. And I don't know, like, I like the book a lot. I don't, like, I think it's a good adaptation, but, like, I'm still, I sound like I hate four things. I just really love the book. I just love the way the book is written. And I know that adaptions are hard, but I appreciate what he did. But again, like, my beef has been with him not winning it in 2019 to Green Book. Like, that is the most insane upset. And it's like, if it didn't happen for that... You know, Uh, Oppenheimer, I feel like Christopher Christopher Nolan could care less about winning an award for screenwriting. Um, I just don't think it's like it's it's in there, but I don't think it's like do or die like this. You know, they're pushing hard for it. I think they're they're hands off in this category. There's just it's just there. It's just Ken. Um, Yeah. American fiction. I think if Barbie. 
if something happens to Barbie, I think I wouldn't be surprised if they open that note and they go Cord Jefferson because Cord Jefferson, like you get Cord Jefferson in a room. We met Cord Jefferson. He is just a very lovely human being. He's so nice. He has related the uh, American fiction, like the actual book is based on erasure, like so well to like his own story and like the way that he talks about it. There's so much emotion and sentimentality. It's also like a very hard piece of literature to kind of adapt into a film that's balancing like so much and it works. That's why like I think an editing nom would be really cool. Um, I could honestly like really see American fiction winning this award. I completely agree. I really think it's like I really think it's between Barbie and American fiction because I think the narrative for Nolan and director is so strong that they're not going to do picture director screenplay for him that just feels very overwhelming and he's also like he writes his like movies but like he doesn't he's not giving like screenwriter like that would be so weird let's say he loses like picture director and they're like he's not like Kenneth Branagh like you know like it's he's not that type of director it would be a very weird place to award him in yeah it's it's interesting but uh yeah i do think ferrari should also be in her anyway i almost bought the book today because uh the barnes and noble there's a lot of cinephiles that work at the barnes and noble at the grove and they made a whole display about all the movies that are in contention this yeah, year it's so cute. i'm like can i talk to the they, staff they kind of do it every year and it's really cute um so original screenplay now that we have a barbie shaped hole i I put air in i put air in i'm like should be salt burn i want to put salt burn in because it makes sense because i don't like what i have at like i don't like my five something feels weird i don't think maestro's in one, two, and three feel solid. What is four and five? So Jillian and I have the same one through three. We have past lives, the holdover, anatomy of a fall. And then we both have May, December at four. It's just five that feels weird. Like, I don't think it's Maestro, but that means it's definitely a movie that is not nominated for Best Picture. I think it's a, it's soul, a soul. uh yeah. Which I feel like Air has been everywhere. There are a ton of billboards for it. Um, They've done so many events. It's a great story about how the script came to be, honestly. Like, proof of their production company, like, working, essentially. Um, I don't know. So I put Air in. But Saltburn, I'm just like, there's a real momentum behind that movie. That movie is so unbelievably talked about um and emerald is a former winner in this category so i just feel like perhaps the fifth slot is saltburn and not air and then if that was the case if you took out the holdovers and put in the iron claws be a perfect category for me but because the holdovers here it will not be i think Um, like iron claw would be so good because it's like it's such a oh my god this look at this picture with dominic sasa and his award that he got on the side they didn't put on the telecast how rude oh um, he's someone that needed a a televised speech televised speech um but i ugh, the iron claw would be so good because it's like 
it's a true story but like there's so much happening but they do it in a way that feels very consolidated but like still there's just so much that is so good about it or like fair play would be really good fair play would be amazing i wouldn't be surprised if we saw like two just one nominations for stuff asteroid city no, nobody. Like, <laughs> I wish I remember kind of scene. It looked like Jillian was frozen. <laughs> She's like, no. I'm sorry. Like, what if, what, if not- what if it's Rustin? That movie doesn't exist. Okay, so you did Saltburn for five and I did Air. Yeah. Okay. It's probably, what should just be Maestro? Okay. I feel like, I don't know, it feels too easy, but then it could, like, I just feel like there's something that's going to, like, just a single nomination. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to do a director a little different than just listing our nominees because I feel like Chris Nolan, Marty Scorsese, in. We have them one and two, they're in. Do you feel that Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things is a lock? No. <laughs> I don't either. I if don't know ask- what it is. Okay. Also, why do I keep asking you about Poor Things? <laughs> I'm like giving you a stump to be like, listen, <laughs> hear me out. Okay. So let's go back <laughs> in the timeline of when Poor Things played Venice. That was the talk of the town. Like people were like, it was funny because we were like original filmmaking is back but i'm like it's an adapted it's an adapted story yeah people were really like there's no one like yorgo slant the most like all these things i'm like you could have said that when the favorite or one of his more obscure movies came out like that's when you could be using it's like when people are calling oppenheimer like the greatest movie of like the decade or like the time now it's like let's use these phrases when they make sense so we're going back to September when the phenomenon catches on. Everyone's like second Oscar. Like th- people were predicting this to get 14 nominations, which if it lands at least two supporting actors, that's crazy. Um, I think he, he, even though he has landed everywhere, I think he's the most vulnerable because it's like, it's just like there's something that feels off about it because even winning uh the globes like i'm not feeling a hundred percent confident in like him and director or like it realistically picking up wins because i mean like the favorite went one for 14 yeah like it's not it's it's like i want to say half and half that he's loved and also just like the nomination is like the win that's the what I've been thinking. Invite was the win. Oh, that's brutal. Um, I, I don't know. Because it's like you have this like such a stacked like one to two. Again, like some of these are more like the legacy. Like, I don't, I don't know if he's very strong here. Okay. The September, the September craze has like drastically died down for okay so he's kind of like he's three but I don't like we don't feel like it's like okay we just mentioned Christopher Nolan and Martin Scorsese like I love Yorgos Santhamos but like putting that at three yeah okay. feels weird and then so we typically 
Okay, so the same four have kind of repeated almost everywhere, which is Chris Nolan, Martin Scorsese, Yorgos Lanthimos, and Greta Gerwig. And then five has kind of been like a rotating slot. And then we just saw Alexander Payne was the fifth one at DGA. Um, at Golden Globes, we had Celine Song for Past Lives. Well, Golden Globes, we had six. So we had Celine Song, and then we also had Bradley Cooper. Critics' Bad. Choice is also six, right? Yeah. Um. So... I wish there was the Best Director Award at the SAG. <laughs> So I, like people were thinking. <laughs> why don't we pull the line up that? So okay, yeah. So bus director at CCA was Nolan, Scorsese, Lanthimos, Gerwig, Cooper, Payne. And hear me out. The director's branch loves Alexander Payne. They love this man. They love this accused sexual yeah. assaulter. Alexander Payne um, is accused. Accused. I said accused. No, I know, but I'm just no. I'm saying to the listeners, loud into the microphone, I said accused. Um, so there, some people think that Gerwig will get blanked here because the movie is so populous. The movie is not what they typically go for. He already has two Oscars. Do we need to nominate him for another one? (laughs) Here's what I think. I think for writing, I have Gerwig at five, and then at four I have Jonathan Glazer. Okay, I have Jonathan Glazer at four. I have Greta Gerwig at five. I don't even have Alexander Payne in this. Yusuf Yagobla at eight. Okay, I have <laughs> Alexander Payne at six, and then Justine Triet at seven. But hear me out. Let's just take out Lanthimos and put in Justine. But my worry is that um, Gerwig is out, Payne is in. And then that the lineup is Nolan, Scorsese, Lanthimos, Glazer, Payne. I just think like Barbie can't like get all these nominations. And, and not like... Greta Gerwig and director. <laughs> it's not like, it's not like, like, I think about like Argo and like A Star is Born. Like, it's not that type of movie. It's like, it would, now it's like, it's weird because we've seen it happen. And like, I think she she's been able uh, to have like a different reputation than like Ben Affleck and Bradley Cooper in terms of like that transition into directing where it's like people see her as a director and I just feel like it would be weird if you gave it all these nominations but no like props to its directing and you can't even be like oh but we'll award her in the screenplay because yeah. like mm, she's leading the ship exactly okay so we're both leaving with glazer and gerwig in but i have the sick and twisted fucking feeling that alexander Payne is in i don't know i don't know okay okay if alexander Payne gets in like dominic sasa has to get in that's it's just like like you can't be in so many places and not one of the performances Aren't we as a society past just nominating people because we like them in the branch? No. No? Can we be? I mean, no. Okay. Is that is that where we leave off? Yeah. 
I'm done with the director. Okay. I mean, it's Christopher Nolan winning. Okay, and then we move on to Best Picture. Where, where, when PGA announced their 10, I wanted to kill myself because that was my predicted 10 in picture. And that is not what we do at the Oscars. We don't do 10 for 10 with PGA. So my predicted 10 are Anatomy of a Fall at 10, Zone of Interest at 9, Maestro at 8, Past Lives at 7, American Fiction at 6, Four Things at 5, The Holdovers at 4, Barbie at 3, Killers of Flower Moon at 2, and then Oppenheimer at 1. I need to change my order. <laughs> While she's changing her lineup, hear me out. This is what I have suggested for um many years, many years. Because we have a set 10, let's tell the viewership a countdown of the order they finish in. So like have Dwayne the Rock Johnson come out 10 minutes into the show and be like, at number 10, the holdovers, you know? Like, tell us the order. Sure, it would be horrifying to listen to as a nominee, but I would like that. I would like that. Um, Can I take something out? Oh. <laughs> You're going to die at what? <laughs> you literally don't have four things in your lineup. <laughs> I, I, I swear I, I'm not, I don't have anything against this film. It's just, I'm just, just I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed. Let's leave it at that. Okay. At 10, I have past lives. I feel like it's the women talking of the year. Um, nine, I have four things. Eight, I have anatomy of a fall. Seven, I have zone of interest. Six, I have maestro. Five, American fiction. Four, the holdovers. Three, Barbie. Two, killers of Thar Moon. One, Oppenheimer. Okay. So we have the same? 10? Yeah. Different order? That's not a good sign. <laughs> so like, what gets in? What if the color purple gets in? I think the color purple is dead. Okay. The only times PGA and the Oscars have lined up, there's been three occasions, and they were all sliding years, whereas eight to nine nominees. So it wasn't like a perfect 10 because, like, we didn't have 10. And it was 2016, 2018, and 2019. Since we have transitioned to a set 10, it's never matched. There's always been at least two, sometimes even more. I'm going to be confident and say it's this. I just, it's so funny when they announced it. I was like, Zona Ventrust is so, like, the support is there. And then I was like, fuck, because that means my 10 lined up. Um, but I will say this will be an all-timer picture lineup if this is the 10. I just think there's a lot of passion for like all of these. Oh my god, why is Reese Witherspoon taking a picture with Alexander Payne and the holdover crew? Yeah, election. No, oh, I don't want to see this. <laughs> Alexander Payne is wearing the worst tie. Like, why is he in? 
Well, they won for original screenplay for Barbie at Critics Choice and they did not televise it. Bradley Cooper looks really nice. As always. The little glasses. American fiction when adapted. Oh, see? I think it's like, honestly, even though you have like these heavy hitters, I'm going to exclude Barbie because we didn't know it was going to be in until recently. I think it's the best, it's the most well-written script. I am so, I cannot believe we're going to have like. Um, I'm just going to say Cord Jefferson on the record is going to be an Oscar winner this year. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. I kind of want to go back to supporting actress and take Sandra out and put in America. You know what's the most annoying thing? It's like we're not going to know. We can't know the WGAs. I know. Like, why would they do that to us? <laughs> do I leave supporting actress the way I have it? Uh... I wish I could get some feedback here. I'm looking. I'm looking. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I guess think yeah. I think that's good. What would you put, Penelope? No, America. America. Did... But then I have Barbie getting three acting nominations. I feel if I have how many nominations do I have, Barbie? One. Two, I feel like if she got sacked, then I'd be five. like, yeah. Six, seven, eight. Nine, ten. Oppenheimer won Best Acting Ensemble. So, wait. I should put Barbie in the film editing. Yeah. Over what? Anatomy of a Fall? God. Don't overthink it. I know, but okay. I don't know. I'm not putting America in. I'm going to hold out for Sandra. All right. All right. We'll have written predictions where maybe we fix some of these, but these are, this is the last time you'll hear us before after the nominations. So like talking predictions. So I guess that we're going to have a great Best Picture lineup is what I'm thinking. I feel like we're going to have a great award season for the winners. I hope so. I hope so. My favorite bridesmaid just hanging out, having a good time. Um, Amazing. So you can also find our Oscar board on our site with like all of our predictions for now, including what we have 6 through 10 and for Best Picture 11 through 20. Um, which looking at, I need to fix because I have the iron claw in there and that's not happening. Um, that boy's not even at 20. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, Jillian, let everybody know where they can find you on the internet. You can find me on Twitter at off, no, at Jillian Chili. 
And you can find me on TikTok at Offscreen with Jillian. You can follow me at Kinsvenunu on everything. And then you can follow the site at offscreencentral.com. And you can follow us on social media. It's off screen S-C-R-N Central. Um, abbreviated because Twitter said that's too many characters. But um, thank you for listening if you got this far in. We're so excited about the relaunch. We're so excited to be official partners and for our entire team. And we're really excited for all the things that are coming. And yeah, please subscribe to this podcast and give us five stars since this was our very first episode. And until next time.